It's Brian, your lunatic friend. In the story of Jesus and music in my early life, I'm still in 1989, writing and recording the anonymous confessions of a lunatic friend. After all of the years of throwing the gospel at other people, I was starting to preach to myself. Because like Matthew says in the Bible, what does it profit a man if he wins the whole world and loses his own soul? I was learning that evangelism by itself was a pretty superficial life. I told you about writing All is Forgiven. But if there's never a deeper conversation, you might not realize the impact that forgiveness brings. I started this record by covering the years of growing up in the church, writing songs like Sunday Go to Meeting, Mr. Bailey's Daughter, and I've Got This Lunatic Friend. But your life story doesn't end with your childhood, and that's why I wrote There Ain't No Stopping Now. And I know all these songs were peculiar to the church world, and none of these songs got a lot of attention in CCM. But I did remember meeting Barbara Mandrell in the hallway at the Dove Awards once, and I was just walking by her entourage when she stopped and shook my hand and said, man, it's really nice to meet you. And I I walked away not knowing what that was all about till someone told me later that she would play Ain't No Stopping Now on the saxophone in her live concerts. And that was about the only attention my first five songs got, but the most powerful songs on this record would be the next six, starting with a song called We All Need. I was looking at my own sins even after knowing Jesus. He might forgive them, but I don't forget them. And I would write all our desperate souls with a human fate, and we protect ourselves within the walls we make. And we all feel lost sometimes, and we all feel hurt inside. And we all cry, and we all need the redeeming love of Jesus. But I was letting we all need just hang in the air by itself, and my dad would be the first one to criticize that song. Why didn't you just sing we all need Jesus? I didn't think about it that much at the time, but I believed that you were handing somebody the answer before they thought about their needs. And I would later call that bumper sticker theology, where my attempts to reach the world are lobbed at people like hand grenades. I played this song in an evangelistic crusade, and it would eventually get me kicked off of the big biggest crusade that I had ever sang on. Later, I would get a call from the evangelist himself saying, you say we all feel lost sometimes, don't you? You're including yourself? And I said, yes, I am. And then he says, well, you can't do that. I need you to tell them about him and leave yourself out of the equation. And that's when I said, well, I've been doing that for years and it's not working for me. And just like that, it was the end of my evangelistic crusade participation. And until now, I didn't realize that I probably included him when I wrote a song called Walking. In the second verse, I would say, a skinny man who thinks he's Moses underneath a fine toupee got a handle on a revelation. Righteousness, the easy way. A vision and a confirmation. Emotional in every plea. Take a precious few to glory land because everyone is wrong but me. It's interesting that we all talk about walking by faith but I think most of us would rather hitch a ride and dying to yourself is no fun. And I was highly aware that I had things in my life that I was not about to let go of. Talking to Dan Postema one day in the studio about the old hymns. I remember saying to him, I surrender all? Really? If I would have wrote that song, it would have been I surrender some. And it would have not made the hymnal. And one of the best things that Dan ever said to me was, Brian, sometimes we sing things that we want to be true even before they are. And I would write a song called Putting in the Good Word. I'm gonna put the good word in for you. And you can look up those lyrics if you want them, because they're not about me. Because there's a time and place where you can offer advice that's not about you. And that brings me to the song that I wrote, Blessed Are the Tears. At a facility where I was going to marriage counseling, I met another counselor who knew my work and wanted to show me some of hers. She said, I work with children under the age of 10, most of whom have been sexually or physically abused. And the odd thing is that they have no ability to grieve over what's happened to them because they don't have a point of reference. It's pretty much all they've known. And she gave me a stack of poems and pictures that those kids would do in their therapy. And going through what they had been through was absolutely heartbreaking. But what was really astonishing was when the counselor 
Wheeler told me, none of them will shed a tear when they talk about this stuff like it's just normal. So I wrote Blessed Are the Tears that starts with think of all the times you've fallen victim, all the restless nights you've wrestled through, the closest of your friends abandoned, helpless, reaching, but they're just not reaching you. In writing this song, I knew that there were people who'd walk through their whole lives like that, literally walking wounded. I wouldn't write this song just for children. I wanted to give anyone permission to weep, because I know if it wasn't for songs, I wouldn't find my emotions either. And there's one transcendent line in the bridge that goes, and God will send the merciful peacemaker, comforter of all of those who mourn, and we'll become the pure in heart, the earthly meek, enduring misdirected scorn. And those last words were probably the best description of what we do to each other. I don't remember if this got a lot of airplay. The tempo was pretty slow for radio. But I would get tons of feedback from people personally. It was almost a code word for I've been abused. And even adults would come up to me after a concert and simply say, my favorite song is Blessed Are the Tears. And there was an instant understanding without saying another word. And sometimes tears fill in what words can't say. And by the way, Blessed Are the Tears is in the top three all-time downloaded songs of mine. Now in 1989, I'd been married for 11 years and it wasn't going well. I wasn't crying about it, but I wasn't talking about it either. In the last few years being on the road, Valentine's Day was like a report card and my efforts were hovering around a D minus. Our anniversary was in August and I tried to write a song for her that would become Leave Your Light On For Me. I tried to be romantic, but it was more of a plea, really. And I would sing On The Sands Of Time, We Have Walked Your Hand in mine, and my memory's photographs are kind, but more in love than pictures fade. Aimless lovers dream, but they're just castles made of sand, before an endless wave of love's demand. And this is one of the best sounding songs I've ever recorded. I'll never forget a night that I went to a club to hear Dion DeMucci. He was a singer from the 1950s who had recently become a Christian, and even in his older years, his voice still sounded great. And I'd never seen someone hold an audience the way he did all by himself. What I remember most, though, about being at that club after he had finished his concert and the music overhead came on there was a song playing that sounded really familiar but I didn't remember where that was Toto's Jeff Beccaro on drums I'd know his sound anywhere turns out it was my own song Leave Your Light On For Me I would eventually recognize my own voice over the cacophony of conversations singing I love you darling don't give up too soon the light of love will find this hopeless moon by the way the title of this song was inspired by a commercial for Motel 6 and we'll leave the light on for you. And that brings me to the one song that we re-recorded on this album, maybe the best song I ever wrote, called I Love You With My Life. After looking at myself and the world around me, and knowing the scripture that said, you will have trouble in this life, what a lunatic friend needs to hear is the words of Jesus directly from the scriptures. I wrote this song like a post-it note on the refrigerator. It's the promises of Jesus that keeps me coming back. Like it says in the second verse, believe what I have stated, and I will give you peace through all your tribulations until I come again. And the standout lines to me in verse 3 don't let your love grow cold and I will not allow what's more than you can bear and none of us will ever get tired of hearing from God when he says I love you with my life I started writing this song after reading that verse where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and I'll come back to get you. And I remember having a profound sense of abandonment. It seemed like I was always somewhere in my life that was completely unfamiliar. This is Jesus and Music. Thanks for listening and supporting what you believe in.